there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Oscar, this is very exciting for me to get to chat with you. You're the last enigma in Formula One. I don't. I think we know everyone else's personality, but like you're you're a mystery to me. <laughs> well, hopefully that changes us. <laughs> I got to ask you an honest question. My feelings will not be hurt. Have you ever heard my name prior to being told you had to sit here with me? Uh, I have before. Yes. Um, uh, I'll be honest. I don't. <laughs> I don't know much more than that. But I've heard the name. <laughs> I've seen some of your stuff before. So, okay. Uh, okay. So no. I just wasn't sure uh, what the base level of knowledge was. Um, where are you right now? What is this bizarre location? I am at the hotel uh, in Vegas, actually. What day did you get there? I got here last night, which is I'm struggling to remember what day I'm on already. Sure. Uh, but yeah, Monday night, but I was in San Francisco on Monday uh, during the day doing some stuff. Have you ever been to Las Vegas? I have, not for a long time. Uh, when I was like 11 or 12, I want to say, we went on a family holiday to the US and Vegas was one of the stops. So uh, I've, I've been to Vegas, but clearly when you're 11 or 12, there's a lot you can't explore. Yeah, there's not much you can do. What were you doing in San Francisco? Some stuff with some partners. Uh, so I went and saw Cisco, went and saw Cadence. Um yeah, just went and said, said hi since we're in the area. So, uh, no, it's nice. How do you do with that? The show up at a place, here's a bunch of executives. You got to be charming. You got a small talk. What, what's your anxiety level during that? Uh, there's no anxiety. It's just, you know, it's 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 part of the, the job. And, you know, without those kind of guys, we, we, we can't go racing. So um, they're very important to us, especially, you know, our, our tech partners and, uh, on that side of things, you know, they also help us make the car go quicker, whether that's directly through some some of their tools or indirectly through, uh, you know, technology that allows us to analyze stuff better, gets us on the grid as well. So uh, we couldn't do it without. I think it would blow people's mind, like, how many obligations you all have other than fucking P1, P2 quality and then the race, like, you're pretty booked, aren't you, throughout the whole event? Yeah, pretty much, especially like these kind of races, like, you know, Vegas, Silverstone, which is the team's home race, uh, Miami, you know, those kind of races, or my home race, Melbourne, uh, we're very, very busy in those weeks. Yeah. But yeah, we're, we're doing a lot of our talking on the track now, which is which has been exciting in the second half of the year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's part of the, the job. I think I was thinking about it yesterday, I think since... Uh, Singapore, which was mid-September. Yeah. I've probably spent five or six nights uh, at my own place uh, since then. So it's been a, yeah, a very busy last couple of months, uh, but a lot of fun as well. Where is your home place? I live in the UK just outside of London. So uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty close to McLaren, which has been very useful for the year. How long have you lived there? I've been in the UK for eight years now. So I moved at the start of 2016 uh, when I was 14 years old. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, been there, been there since, went to school, finished school in the UK. You have an actual degree. Well, I don't have a degree, but <laughs> I finished, uh, I finished high school. Got you. That, yeah. Okay. Here you get a degree for that. You get it. I mean, oh, really? it's not useful, but you get a high school <laughs> diploma. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, f- I finished high school and, and, uh, and passed and got decent grades. So, um, 
Yeah, proud of myself for that one. Did any part of you go like, what are we doing? I know exactly what I'm going to be up to for the rest of my life. Why on earth do I even have to do this? There was moments where I thought that, yeah, but I think in hindsight, it was a very smart decision. You know, I went to a boarding school for, for four years. So um, A, gave me a place to live, which is always very handy. Yeah. Uh, and, and B, also going to a new country it helped me, you know, integrate into the community, get some some friends at school. I was... Uh, you know, fortunate enough that a lot of the people in my boarding house stayed the whole week as well. Um, so it was kind of like living with with friends, which was nice. And uh, I think, you know, in the world of motorsport, it's extremely cutthroat. You know, in F1, there's there's 20 of us in the whole world and there's probably thousands that try to to, to make it. So having a, a backup plan is always very useful. So, yeah, I'm glad that I didn't need to use the backup plan, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it was a very smart move. Were there girls at this school? Uh, yes, there were girls. Oh, thank yeah. God. I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, right? Like middle of the country. And when someone would move to our school from California, they immediately were the coolest kid. We were like, oh my God, California. What's that all about? You surfed, you skateboard, you know, blah, blah, blah. Are people in England charmed by you being an Aussie? Were they like pumped that you were at this boarding school? <laughs> it definitely adds an element of interest from people. That's for sure. Like being Australian, being a racing driver. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I was away racing so much that, you know, some people kind of like, does he even go to the school? Like I would see him, you know, three times a year. Um, but no, definitely there was an element of, of interest from people. Were any older dudes threatened by the fact that you were getting attention? No, no. No? We, 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 no, we were living in the boarding house with all the different year levels. Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's. I'm sure it was much worse, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago in terms of the uh, hazing and stuff. But uh, there was definitely a, a hierarchy and a... Uh, a letter of respect. So, uh, yeah, you had to to abide by that, shall we say. Even if you were outshining people in a little way, they would have rank over you so they felt fine? Yeah, definitely. And also, you know, there was a bunch of other sports. You know, motorsport's pretty pretty niche. There was a lot of football players, rugby players that are, A, a lot bigger than me, and, and B, <laughs> also very, equally skillful in their own sport. So, uh, yeah, that yeah, was but never if you went to, if Oscar, if you went to my high school and you were racing Formula 2 and 3, like what you were in high school, I, every girl would have been obsessed with you. There's no way they wouldn't have been. Well, well I met my girlfriend at school. So What uh, grade? Or what age? Uh, how old were we? We were, oh, she's going to kill me if I get this wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's been four and a half years. I'm 22 now, so it must have been 17. Okay, so towards the end of school. Yeah, yeah. So like the the second last year of school, we became a couple and we've been together since. So it's been been nice to, to have someone there from from the start uh, still with me. Yeah, okay, great. So th um, first of all, that's a long time when you're 22 to have been with a girl for four years. That's virtually 20% of your life at this point you've been together. That's an eternity yes, at correct, that age. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's been fun though. It's been good. I, uh, I wouldn't change it, so uh, I'm enjoying it. I've only seen on your Instagram you give us fucking nothing, Oscar. There's nothing personal happening on this Instagram. The only thing on the Instagram, there is one photo of you two together, and I thought, oh, is yeah. this cute blonde gal his lady? And now I know of four years. Yeah, I mean, we, we keep it private, and I, I think not, you know, not secretive like some you know relationships are, but, um, yeah, we keep it to ourselves. You know, we try to be out of the spotlight and, and just live normal lives. She's uh, she's come to quite a few races this year, which has been nice. Yeah, I was going to ask, who do you travel with when you're on the road? Are you with anybody? Or are you just, here's what I think. Let me tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm so afraid you're lonely. You left Australia at whatever, 15, 16. You're at this boarding school. Now you're virtually in the circus traveling the world. And then the person you'd see the most is your teammate, Lando. That's always tricky because you were fucking fast this year. Everything's complicated. So I get very worried you're lonely. Do you have friends that come with you on these? Do your parents ever join you? Who are you with? I'm not lonely, so I'm I'm all good. But, okay, thank uh, God. We, we, all, we all travel with like a physio or a trainer. Um, and, you know, I think we often joke that, you know, we see them more than we see our girlfriends or partners or whoever. Yeah. Um, which, which is true. So um, I've traveled with, his name's Kim. I've been working together for the last three years, which has been good fun. 
yeah, my girlfriend Lily. I, I should probably say her name. Lily. Yeah, let's say um, Lily's name. <laughs> she's uh, she's come to a few races as well, which has been nice. Um, yeah, my parents come to to some of the races, but they my family still lives in Australia, so not the easiest for them to come to all the races, but. Um, you know, we spend so much time with the team and also when we come to these races, you know, they're a lot of fun, don't get me wrong, but it's my job and work. So, uh, yeah. you know, I've got to be serious and, you know, I've, I have taken my friends to, to some of the races. Um, How's that go? But it's good, but I see them for like five minutes for the whole weekend. And if they want to go out on Friday night, you're not doing that, right? Not in your rookie year. Or will you no. go out on a Friday night? No, Never. definitely not. Even Never. Even on a Sunday night, it's... A rare occasion. Uh, maybe, maybe that'll come more with time. But yeah, um, but yeah, definitely, definitely not on a Friday night. I don't know what kind of antics you've been uh, <laughs> exposed to from other people, but definitely not for me. Oh, I'll tell you, I interviewed Horner a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me that Max went out and got plastered after the sprint race on Saturday night when he had won the championship, <laughs> and then race Sunday morning. I was like. He is a god. I don't know how you would do that. And it was fucking Qatar where everyone was passing out from the heat and he was fine. Yeah, he, uh, I, I, we were speaking about that in the cool down room, actually. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm very aware that I got beaten by someone who's had a, a decent night out. So, uh, but when you win a world championship, I think it's warranted. So, I, uh, I can't say I wouldn't do the same if I was in his position. Yeah, I would imagine the two things I would wish for you, because side note, I only have one friend in this sport, and it's Ricardo. And I d I've talked to him a bunch about, like, the evolution of being in the sport for a long time. And one of the things is, like, you're in all these places, but you really don't even experience them, do you? You're just, yeah. like, you're there, and it could be anywhere. You could just, like, materialize at the track. It doesn't really matter. But, like, kind of learning to make time to actually be where you're at and enjoy that. Are those things you think about, or is that that's five years away? I, I've been thinking about it a little bit, and there's been, you know, some races, especially, like, the, the, the double headers or the triple headers, so... Uh, Singapore and Japan, for example, was a doubleheader in two countries I hadn't been to. So we went straight from Singapore to Tokyo and, and spent a few days in Tokyo, so I got to explore that. So when you have days like that, it's nice to go and explore. A lot of these European races, especially, you know, they're in sort of small towns generally, you know, like think of Spa or, or, or even Monza and stuff. Especially Spa, it's kind of like in the forest with some villages around, so there's not actually that much to explore. You need to bring um, your bow and arrow. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and a million raincoats. But yeah, it's something nice to, to be able to explore. Uh, we just, it, you, like you said, it's difficult to find the time. You know, my girlfriend, well, Lily asked me this morning, what's Vegas like? I said, I, I, I don't know. It looks nice out of the hotel window. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you how it looks at two, 210 miles an hour in a couple of days. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, But no, it's nice to explore some places. So in Tokyo, what will you do to get down? I mean, just, just explore. Um, just walk around, you know, go on the, the, the trains and, and you know, visit different parts of the, the city. You know, Tokyo is such a big place that, you know, you, you spend half an hour on the train and you're only halfway across the city. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just like going and, and seeing new places, um, trying out the food. You know, I really like Japanese food. Um, I actually studied Japanese for a few years at school. Oh, really? Uh, can you say I anything? I can say like what my name is, and mm. uh, I know I know how to ask for a phone number, which ah. is not is not as badly intentioned as you think. <laughs> it's just something that's stuck in my head forever. So uh, hit me uh, with I it. Say a few words. Ask for my phone number. I'll give it to you. Okay, Denwa uh, Bangoa Nandeska. Oh my God! I feel like I just teleported uh, to Japan. I mean, that was that was that was seamless. Yeah, I mean, you've got no idea if I was bullshitting you or no. not. But, uh, but my ex-girlfriend, she studied Japanese too. And the only thing she remembered was Makudanodus, which is how you say Mac McDonald's in Japan. And then she knew Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in, in Japanese. And I probably made her sing that 300 times. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, there you go. We've got something in common. Are you shy by disposition? I, I would say yes. I'm yeah. definitely like an introvert. I, you know, I'm very happy spending time by myself or, you know, with uh, a few close friends rather than, you know, being a, a social butterfly, shall yeah, we say. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I try to keep to myself. And also, you know, this year especially, I'm trying to, to just focus on, on what my job is, which is trying to go as fast as possible on track. Yeah. Um, You're doing a pretty good not, job if no one's told you. 
Thank you. Yeah. I've been trying my best. So it's a pretty impressive uh, rookie season thus far. Thank you. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I'm I'm a pretty reserved guy. I think it kind of comes across in in my radio messages oh. all the time. We talk on the podcast more about your. Well, I say you're probably you're tied. You're in a four way tie. We talk a lot about what Max says because mm-hmm. he's swearing nonstop, and we love it. And then mm-hmm. Russell and, and Hamilton are hysterical to listen to this season. The peak moment of your silence was you and Yuki coming together in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's, go- he's going ballistic, right, on his radio. And we're getting to hear back and forth. And you're like, no, we come together. You're like, wait, does he even know he was just hit? Uh in those moments, do you have to fight the urge to rage? Like, is this a policy someone advised you on? Or is it easy for you to just be so calm in that situation? For me, it's I find it reasonably easy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had some some thoughts, in especially those moments and, and other moments through the year. But for me, it's quite, I find it quite amazing that, you know, we have to physically turn the radio on. It's not just on all the time. Right. So a lot of these things you can say to yourself without <laughs> letting the whole world know, uh-huh. which is kind of the approach that I take. I, mean, I don't say that much to myself when I'm not on the radio, but yeah, I think for me it's kind of just been like a, a mindset thing of you know, me yelling at someone or calling them 100 names under the sun. Like, it's not useful for yeah. me to do that, um, especially when I've still got a, a race to go and do. It's, it's just not... Convenient. Maybe I'll think it to myself through that corner, but uh, yeah, I don't necessarily need to to let the world know. Do you ever scream it in a pillow when you get home at night before you go to bed? Do you just? <laughs> no, I don't. I <laughs> I fall straight asleep usually, or start thinking about too much stuff. Uh-huh. But uh, no, I never never scream into a pillow or, or have to punch it or anything. I'm a pretty pretty relaxed guy. Do you think? Because the other person that I think has a similar etiquette to you, weirdly, is. Ricardo, he's always been extremely polite, even when he was in his most frustrating periods. I think he had this really polite disposition. I wonder, do you think there's anything to you guys being both Aussies that's in the mix? Maybe. I, I don't know. I, like, I would say we're pretty different people. Okay. Apart from being from the same country, you know, I, Daniel is a, a very, you know, social guy, fun guy. He's, he's very fun to be around. Yes, exactly. And I would say I'm, you know, pretty opposite to that in terms right. of personality. Um, but I don't know, maybe it's it's just, you know, we're very focused when we drive or the laid back side of us, the Aussie side of us comes through on the radio. I don't know. Yeah. Do you ever watch races? Like after I've done them? Yeah. Yeah. Depends on like w- what time I've got, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. I, I would if I were you. Because my <laughs> great question is like, do George and Hamilton, they must just never watch a race and hear what's on the broadcast. Because I feel like they'd go, oh, I got to kind of, I got to reel this in a little bit. I'm complaining a whole bunch. And I just got mm-hmm. really curious if you think drivers watch the races or not. I mean, I know of some drivers that definitely watch it back, like from a, like trying to learn from, from what's happening in the race. And also, you know, like when we do the races, we often don't know what's happened apart from like immediately around us. Yeah, right. Um, so just to get an idea of what's happened, but you know, a lot of these messages, it's it's a balancing act because in some cases it's a good idea to try and plead your case and and you know if it's potentially a penalty involved, you know, trying to plead your innocence or trying to you know just say why someone else should get a penalty. Yeah, can can be beneficial to your race. So sometimes I guess it is over eggs a little bit just to try and prove your point better than uh, and make it very clear and anything you can do to help. Do you think there's ever anything productive about calling the team and saying, why aren't you letting me buy? Like, don't you think if they're going to let you buy, they're going to make that call? Like, do you really think the driver's going to encourage them to call for a swap? I, I think it is useful. And for like, for us at McLaren, we like, we try, we actually are encouraged to, to question the team. Oh, um, but once, oh okay, and then once we once we've once we've uh, got the next message on what what the the plan is, you know, sometimes that's the same message, uh, which you respect, but sometimes you know they will see it from a different perspective. If you can give them a reason um, that maybe they haven't thought of, you know, that's that's what these conversations are for. And yeah, I guess if you're the driver behind, you're always going to be want to let pass because having clean air is is always beneficial. So. 
Um, yeah, it always goes two, two ways. Sometimes it might seem like there's tension in there, but it's a kind of conversation that helps us move forward together right. um, and, and see things from different perspectives. You started off with RC cars. I did, yeah. What age? I think I was six years old when I started driving those. And were you doing road or dirt? So I started off on, on dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I was just driving them around like the, the backyard, yeah. the oval at school. What was the cool brand back then? Was it Losi or Traxxas? What were you? Traxxas. Traxxas, yeah, yeah. yeah. Traxxas was my, my first monster truck. Um, and then I started uh, started racing them. But then, like, after racing those for a bit, it's it's difficult because, like, without getting into the details, basically you have to go and if someone flips over, you have to go and turn them back, you know, onto their wheels, which when you're six years old, you've got RC cars flying through the air and stuff. <laughs> it's not, not that safe. So it became quite difficult for my dad to try and juggle everything. So we went to, we went to on-road. Um, and electric, which was much less hazardous, uh-huh. uh, you know, just much safer. So I, that's where the kind of circuit racing side of things came in uh, when I went to, to that. And, um, yeah, there was, you know, a lot of crossover between the RC community and the motorsport community. Um, you know, it's, it's, they're still cars with four wheels. Yeah. Um, so, yes, got involved in that. Some people said, why don't you try a go-kart um, a few years into that because I was, was – Decent at road control cars. Yeah. Um, and there's, I mean, there's not a lot of crossover, but, you know, basic setup ideas and racing lines and stuff like that, that, that transfers over. Um, so, yeah, I jumped in a go-kart. I was decent. And the next week I had my own. So uh, I went, went very quickly. I would argue, too, the minimal inputs is definitely similar. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You, you sound like you've raced RC cars or driven RC cars before. I'm obsessed with them. I have every one Traxxas is made. I've got the X-Maxes. i got the gas one. I got my, okay, my kids go. have too many. I've got the rock mm-hmm. crawlers. I fucking love yeah. it. And when I was a little kid, I had the kind you had to build, which was a pain in the ass. Yeah. They got so much easier and the batteries got better. And they're yes. so fun. Right out of the box, they're great now. Yeah, no, they, they are a lot of fun. And honestly, there's like when you start racing them, there's probably more things on that thing that you can change than like even a in car. a car almost. It's, it's uh, impressive how much uh, you can change. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. I'm glad that you, yeah. you know roughly what I'm talking about, which is cool. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they're, they're a lot of fun. Um, and also when you crash them, you just have to rebuild them. You don't have to rebuild yourself, which is a, a bonus. Yes. Um, I'll tell you the dorkiest thing I've ever done. So I'm super into off-road and I go to the sand dunes all the time to Glamis in California. And I brought my X-Max out there and I was driving it in the camp on the sand. But then I was like, ah, I kind of want to see it like flying across the desert. So I I got in my Razor, the Polaris Razor, and I'm driving with my knee, the Polaris Razor, so I can drive next to the X-Max <laughs> at top speed and see it cruising over the whoops and stuff. And then I had this moment where I was like, what are you doing? You're like driving the one thing that should feel like this RC car experience, but you're doing both so that you can, ch- I'm almost more interested in the RC car than the, the real car. Yeah, no, it's good fun. <laughs> and they're, they're quick, like they're oh really quick. Insanely fast. Yeah, so I uh, know they're, they're a lot of fun, a lot, a lot of fun. And yeah, that's where I started out my, it's pretty crazy that Six-year-old me driving a monster monster truck around my backyard has ended up as me in Las Vegas racing down the strip. For the first? Uh, f- Fifteen years later. Do you still have them and play with them? And do you bring them with you ever? No, I don't. I, I haven't driven an RC car in seven or eight years at least. Oh, this I is say. terrible. Yeah, I, I mean, I just don't have the time. And also in the UK, there's not that many tracks, especially around kind of London. Um, I, I have looked before. I don't know. Maybe maybe I can get someone to to sort me out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, an RC car in the future, but uh, no, it's always always fun to look back on it. You know, I try and still see what's happening in the RC world every yeah. now and again. Yeah, they keep getting faster and faster, and uh, yeah. the batteries are getting better and better. You started karting at ten. That's in some weird way. That's a little bit late nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is like. Most people that I grew up racing against started at like sort of seven years old. I think now it's, you know, even younger, like five or six people start getting in a go-kart. So, yeah, 10 is is on the older side, I would say. I told my daughter recently, she's 10, I said, you're like about to miss the train. If we're going to do this, like it's time. And she <laughs> doesn't really care. Stay tuned for more F1 with DRS. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This blew my mind learning that your dad, Chris, is that his name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your dad founded HP Tuners. Do you know how much money I have sent your father? Really? Oh, my you God. You contributed to my racing, so thank you very much. Yes. I have all <laughs> old hot rods, and everything's got EFI, and everything uses an HP Tuner. That's crazy to me that that's your dad. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. It's a, it's a very small world. Yeah, so he started that when I was uh, a baby, and... Uh, yeah, now it's it's very successful. Glad you've got a. Are you happy with his products? That's Fuck the most important yes! Thing. This is insane. This okay, was unimaginable growing up that you would be <laughs> able to do what virtually the big three do, like the, control the software of the car. Uh, is bonkers. Yeah, I, yeah. He's tried to to teach me and talk me through how it all works and stuff. Uh, all I can say is I'm glad I drive the cars and don't have to shoot them because, uh, yeah, that's uh, another another leak. So where did he – so he was your mechanic when you were racing carts, at least for some portion of it. What's his original training or background? Why is he so gifted in this space? I mean, he can write software or whatever. He's got a software uh-huh. company and he was also your mechanic. I want to hang with your dad. <laughs> yeah, I, well, so my, my mom's dad and my dad's dad were both mechanics, Um as as their job and so there was kind of always like the passion for cars my dad always liked computers and stuff growing up um and you know put computers and cars together and you basically get hp tuners so <laughs> right, um, right. so so yeah like it, and that's how i kind of got into racing as well you know no one in my family raced before um they always watched racing and, and liked cars but i was the the first one to to get involved do you like cars I do. I would say I like racing and the competition side of things more than I like cars. Yeah. Um, I got that hunch. Yeah. And yeah. like, I, I like new cars. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not really like, a, don't get me wrong. I, I can appreciate old cars and, you know, how the significance of some of them. And I think as I'm getting older and older, I'm understanding more. There's yeah. a lot of like the really cool cars and especially, you know, cars that my dad grew up working on and, Stuff like that. I wasn't even born yet, so yeah, um, yeah. I'm kind of starting to get more of a an appreciation for it, but yeah, in terms of that side of things, I like the competition more. Does he collect cars? Uh, he's got a few cool cars. Yes, he does. And are they like the Aussie, like the fucking V8 Interceptor style, or are they American cars? What has he got? He's got a couple of American cars, an old Chev. Uh, a couple of old chefs. I, I I hate to stay updated on what cars he's got now, but uh, but no, he's got a bit a bit of everything. So yeah, uh, no, he likes likes everything. Okay, well, shoot him my number. Uh, I'd love <laughs> to party with him and maybe have him tune some of my my rides. That relationship with traveling around and doing the races and him working on it was it stressful on the relationship or was it lovely or a combination of both? I mean, mostly nice. Uh, I, I mean, I think in any uh, father-son relationship, you're always going to have uh, headbutts at times, especially me being a teenager. Yeah. Um, there's always going to be moments, but uh, no, it was was all good. You know, we never had any big dummy spits or, or arguments. Um, but then once I went to Europe, you know, everything become, you know, there was much less for him to do. I was part of a team, had my own mechanic as part of the team. Uh, and then, you know, through all my junior career, it, it uh, yeah, you're part of a, a team with dedicated mechanics and stuff. So um, no, we had a good time, a lot of uh, cool memories from from back then. But uh, but yeah, now on to you know, he's got a slightly different role in terms of what well, my whole family does in terms of uh, watching me go racing in and not as directly involved. When you went to England at what what age did we say? Fourteen. 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 Yeah. How often would you see your family? That's a that's a hike down to Australia, no? Yeah, so my, my dad came with me for the first six months. Okay. Um, and then after that, 
uh, basically, yeah, basically said either, you know, because well, I've got three sisters as well. So Are they uh, older or younger? All younger. So oh. they, my mom and my sisters were still back in Australia. My dad said, you know, I'm going back to Australia because A, the weather sucks here in England and B, I want to go see, you know, uh, your mom and, and sisters. So um, either you can come back with me and, you know, try and make a, a, a career in Australia racing or you can stay here, try and make it to F1, but go to boarding school. And uh, I said, well, I want to be an F1 driver, so I guess I'm going to boarding school. So, oh, okay. um, so it was an easy decision in some way. Well, I, yeah, I mean, th- it, it wasn't quite as, as simple as that, of course, but uh, it's yeah, was a, a necessary one to, yeah. to try and get to F1. And um, yeah, from that point onwards, I saw, you know, I see, especially now, it's like I see my family for three weeks a year maybe right uh, so i'm going back to australia after the season ends uh the last time i was back was actually for the race so now that i'm on the f1 grid ironically i've gained myself an extra week back at home yes for the race <laughs> um but yeah i basically go back for christmas and that's it so and that's been the case for the last three or four years so yeah i don't get to see them that much they get to come to some of the races and watch but like we were saying before i see them for about five minutes yeah. at the races so uh yeah. So yeah, I would just feel guilty. They they would make me their presence would make me feel guilty. Like I don't have time to give to you, and now I feel terrible about that. And now I got to raise. Yeah, I mean they're they're very good about it. They know I'm I'm there to try and perform as best as I can. Uh, I try and see them when I when I can, of course. But yeah, um, yeah, they're aware that I'm there to try and work, even if it doesn't really feel like work. Who are your idols? Who are my idols? I, I don't really have like one specific one. Okay. You know, I think what Lewis has been able to do, you know, in terms of getting to seven world championships was incredibly impressive. Um, you know, I think what Max is doing now is also very impressive, even if I have to try and beat both of them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, or it's, you know, I can still try and learn as much as I can from them, especially at this point of my career. Um, so that's been impressive to watch, you know, looking, Back at guys like Senna. What's that feeling? It's only happened once this year. Well, it's happened twice. You were ahead of him in the sprint that you won. Congrats and saying that you won in your rookie year. That's so cool. But Thank you. But you were also ahead of him for a while in the race. Mm-hmm. Is it a unique feeling knowing he's behind you like, as opposed to other people? It, it kind of is because, <laughs> like, our car's just not as quick as theirs at the moment. Yeah. So it's kind of... A matter of when he's going to catch you, not if at the moment, unfortunately. Um, and Qatar was very much that, like in the sprint, was very much that kind of feeling. Like I think he got past Russell with five or six laps to go. And then I was like, okay, I've got to try and keep this lead for as long as I can. And to my surprise, we were we were quick enough to, to hold him back. But he was he was still coming. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it is a different, a bit of a different feeling. I'm sure it's the same for everyone. You know, he's won, what? How many races he won? 19 or something. He's going to win 19. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's not something crazy. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's kind of a feeling of inevitability. You're probably right. It's probably 17 and potentially he'll win 19. But yes, it's yeah. bonkers. Yes, but uh, but we're getting closer, which is cool. And, you know, Qatar was was nice to, um, you know, I guess, you know, Singapore, of course, he got beaten, well, Red Bull got beaten in, in Singapore, but it was like a strange weekend for them. Qatar was kind of like, you know, they were there, we were there. It was kind of like a, uh, in some ways, like an even fight. So that was nice to be able to to get one up. Um, I mean, they're still far, far ahead of us in terms of balancing out the score, but it was nice to to at least, you know, when we had the opportunity to try and do it. Yeah, it's been fun to watch because for most of the season, you were like, okay, will will Mercedes or Ferrari catch them? Mm, seemingly not. And then out of nowhere, you guys look like, wait, will that be the team that can finally beat him? This it was, I've not seen such a dramatic reversal in a team's trajectory in a season. I mean, it's like you guys went up six places, you know? Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, you know, I think we, we knew like, the stuff that we had coming to the car was going to be good, yeah. But maybe not as as good as we thought. Um, can you, and, you feel know, like, it right when you get in it and start driving, or do you have to wait to hear some times before you can feel that it's gotten that much better? Like to be honest, 
the car doesn't actually feel that much different. Right. It's just that the the limit is is a, a decent chunk higher than it was. You know, you still even even for for Max in the Red Bull, you know, he's always going to have a limit of grip that he has. Um, and I think for us, you know, we still run into the same limit, but we just run into it, you know, going nearly a second a lot faster now. So that's the the biggest thing. I think if there wasn't other competitors. Yeah, like we'd we'd still basically say it's exactly the same car, um, right? Clear, clearly, it's not. Clearly, it's a lot quicker. Yeah, it just doesn't feel that different. What does feel different is coming in from a session, knowing you can fight for like the top three now, yeah, instead of trying to get into the top ten. So that's a a cool feeling. But the reverse, like you said, it's been uh, yeah, pretty remarkable to be a part of. It's been very very special. Well, and then I got to say, you guys are probably the funnest teammates to watch at this point. The, the gaps are quite... Thank you. Yeah, it's it's really, really fun. It seems like a toss-up each weekend, like, wow, who's going to be just a little bit faster? Most of the other teams, the gaps are a little bigger, and it's it's been really fun to watch and so impressive, obviously, on your rookie year. Um, you won, and this is a record, you won in... 2019, you won Renault Euro Cup, then 2021 F3 championship, then 2021 F2 championship. Is it hard to come into F1 and, you know, be in ninth? Yes and no. Like, I think, like, I kind of knew that, you know, I wasn't going to be coming to F1 and fighting for wins straight away. So I prepared myself for that. To be honest, like, after being out of racing for a year, I was happy to just be back racing cars again. Yeah. Um, was that a miserable year? Just waiting? Uh, it was unideal. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I would have loved to have been racing, but that's just not how it how it panned out. Um, so I was just happy to be back on on the grid in, in Sumling, um, let alone F1. And, you know, I think it, it also gave me a decent chance to try and learn and make some mistakes without as much of a spotlight on. Yeah. Um, of course, now that we're fighting back towards the front again, it is more fun when you're fighting at the front, I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, and now we're, you know, our expectations are, are very different. Uh, you know, at the start of the year, we like, like we were saying, you know, trying to get into the points was a good weekend for us. Now it's like, you know, we're starting One to One of you needs to be on the podium. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it's a very different set of uh, expectations, which is cool. Um, but yeah, we're getting almost tantalizingly close to, uh, to getting a victory. So it's, um, yeah, that's, that's our next target. Okay. I want to ask some, um, fun personal stuff because your Instagram again is abysmal. I can't figure out anything (laughs) about you. So I want to now, uh, hit me with a few of your favorite movies. Favorite movies. Um, I mean, if you're a racing guy or a car guy, Talladega Nights is a classic. It is. It is. Um, I I really enjoyed um, The Gentleman that has Matthew McConaughey in it. Yes, 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 yes. It's very, very good. Yes. Um, it's either Guy Ritchie or Matthew Vaughn, uh, one of those two, right? Really I stylized. Think, I think Guy Ritchie. Yeah, um, I'll super be honest, cool. I don't really know my producers and directors, but... That's okay, you're um, 22. <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, no, that was a cool movie. How about Kingsman? Um, Kingsman's also very good, yes. Okay, all right. Yeah. Good, good. Um, what else is there? I mean, I liked Avatar when it first came out. TV shows. TV, I'm a pretty basic guy when it comes to TV. Like, kind of just whatever's on TV, an easy watch. So uh, in Australia growing up, Big Bang Theory was on a lot. Oh, sure. So I've, I've watched that a lot. Um a bit of Friends and Modern Family as well, like okay. those kind of things. I watched Suits on Netflix, which was a very good series. Very popular. Um, this is yes. showing my age. Every young person has seen Suits. I need to catch up. Yeah, it's it's very good. Okay. It's very, very good. So, yeah, I mean, kind of a bit of everything, to be honest. Docs. Do you like documentaries? Depends what it's on. Okay. But yes. Right. If it's like a like sporting documentaries, like... Um, have you watched the uh, Beckham doc? I have. <gasps> I have. How much do that you was, love it? Yeah, it was brilliant. It was is he really not good. the coolest dude in the world? I'm trying to now dress like him. I want to do everything <laughs> like him. Yeah, I, and I think like for me, like I'm, I'm not saying I'm anywhere near like Beckham's level of fame and stuff, but seeing like the attention that he was getting, uh, you know, for for being a footballer, and you know, this was in the days of like where social media wasn't 
a thing yet. And like seeing how much attention he was getting, like at airports and stuff like that, it oh, was like terrifying, I bet, for you. Crazy. Um, but another good sports doco was um, The Last Dance. That oh, was, that's, uh, for me, that's one of the best things I've ever watched. That's probably the best sports documentary ever, ever made. I agree. You know, from a, like just enjoying like enjoyment, it was amazing to watch. And also from like a, a motivation point of view, like it just makes you want to go out and do something and yeah. Know, Are there any of the his or something. tricks that you thought, oh gosh, dude. Well, a couple things when I watched Last Dance, I'm like, huh, I guess you got to really not be, how do I want to say? I don't want to say he's unfriendly, but you got to be willing to not make friends. You got to be willing to piss yes. people off to get there. Mm-hmm. And a little yeah. bit of me is like, oh man. Can you do it without that? But I don't know that you can. Did you hone in on that part of it? Uh, I, I paid attention to it. And I think for like in motorsport, it's like there's quite a common saying that like once the helmet goes on, you've got no more friends. Right. Which I guess is kind of the, the same. Yeah. Um, but I think in like racing and F1, especially now, like more than it used to be, like I think because there's, 20 of us in the whole world, you know, we're all traveling, we're all super busy. There's kind of like a group respect between us all. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we all know what it's taken to get here. We all know, you know, how how busy we are. Um, and also, you know, whether we like it or not, like we're, we've got our, our lives in each other's hands at some point. So, um, so that's a, another very important aspect of respect. Um, well, that's what I feel yeah. a little bit bad for you guys, which is mm-hmm. only 19 other people actually know what your experience is. Like the, the 19 people you would relate most to on planet Earth are probably those drivers. Yeah. And yet your competitors. So somebody's like, well, Michael Jordan had to hate these people to win. Like it's 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 not I, I it just whenever I think of it, I think, God, it, it feels like it's potentially very lonely. Yeah, I mean, I guess it has the potential to be, yes. Um, the best way to avoid that is to not crash into people and have problems with people, <laughs> I've found. Um, but, yeah, and I think in, like, basketball or any team sport, you've kind of got your teammates, right? Yes. Um, that you can kind of rally around and motivate and stuff. And it's the same for us, but it's it's not people that can, you know, help, help us uh, when we're actually driving. Yeah. You know, they can help us in terms of telling us what we should do to drive, uh, you know, set up the car better, make it a faster car, but they can't jump in the car and drive it for us. So um, it's kind of unique, I guess, in motorsport where it's a team sport, but also a very individual sport at the same time. Yeah, I guess, yes. I I don't know why this didn't occur to me, but, but the most obvious answer for your companionship would be the dudes on your crew, like the actual mechanics yeah. and stuff. Do you... Yeah. Have friendships with those folks? You must. Yeah, we do. But also, like, I, I, I barely get to see those guys too. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing marketing activities. We're with the engineers trying to, to help stuff go quicker. And I think the the engineers around you are definitely probably the guys and girls you spend the most time around. Yeah. Um, and have the, the best sort of working relationship and just general relationship with. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, I, I have good relations with my mechanics and, and everyone else in the team too. But, uh, you know, we see him for, for 10 minutes before we jump in the car. You know, if, we've, if we're lucky and got some spare time on the Thursday, which is media day, and sometimes we'll go into the garage and chat about crap for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, you know, you, you don't get that many opportunities. So... Um, yeah, it's, uh, have you gone to the pub with Zach Brown? Have you been to Zach's house for dinner? I've been to Zach's house, not for dinner, but okay. I've, I've had plenty of dinners with Zach. Okay. Um, I haven't been to the pub with him. Okay. Admittedly. Let's but, add that uh, to the list. Things yes, to do. Yeah. that will be added to the list. I'm sure. Okay. When you start making max money, which is inevitable, where are you going to live? Do you think you'll stay put in the UK or are you going, where, where would you like to live? There's a lot of people in Monaco. It, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. From you know, it's a a it's a nice place to live. B, we travel so much that we don't really have that much of a home. Yeah. Uh, regardless of where you live, you and get an immediate two x pay increase by moving there. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> there's some things that eat into that, but yes, yeah. for the in simple terms, yes. So I mean, 
it makes sense. Maybe that'll be a sample in the future. Um, but I think this year's been uh, actually very nice. You know, I've, I've lived in the UK for eight years, like I said, so it's been nice to still stay in, in the UK. Um, and also I'm living pretty close to McLaren. So being able to go in when I, you know, quickly and, and speak to the engineers or pop in for whatever it is, yeah. get to know the team more, like especially at the start of the year, getting to know everyone in the office and stuff. That was um, really nice to, to be able to do that. So uh, I've enjoyed it this year, but we'll see what the, the future holds. Okay. Um, last question. When you walk into McLaren, which I've mm-hmm. gotten to go to once, mm-hmm. and you're walking down the boulevard, are you shitting your pants? Are you like, oh, oh my Lord. Like that's a very hollowed kind of ground and the, the cars mm-hmm. that are sitting there and Senna's car and this car and that like – do you feel like, oh, I belong here? Or do you think, oh, my God, how did I get here? They're going to discover me and kick me out in minutes. <laughs> uh, I, it's a very, like... Um, it's a church. Uh, yeah, it, it is in some ways. And, like, now it's, I mean, it's, it's still not normal seeing those cars, but it's kind of like, like you, you see them more and more. But the kind of awe of these cars never wears off. You're kind of like, that's Senna's car, that's mm. Prost's car, like that's you know the last world championship winning car of McLaren. You kind of go, this is like cool. And sometimes they rotate the cars, but like we've got so many good cars that you can't actually fit them all on the boulevard. Right. So sometimes they rotate them around. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it keeps it fresh for us. How about that guillotine car that had the... Fr- fucking wing directly at neck level i don't know what year it was but it was on display there it's got to be from the 60s it just has yeah a huge blade pointed at your neck yeah that's uh i, I mean i've driven whose car did i drive i drove james hunt's uh 19 i think 77 oh really at, at goodwood this year how was that so happy i don't have to race that car because <laughs> that scared the crap out of me doing 50 miles an hour really uh, um yeah, that was an experience. Um, you know, like when you can nearly punch through the side of the car. <laughs> right. That's, it doesn't feel with a whole lot of confidence when you got to do, you know, nearly 200 miles an hour in it. So, um, yeah, seeing them all and like seeing how they've evolved, like from what they started out in, in the 50s and 60s to what we have now, it's, yeah, incredibly impressive to see how the, the sports change and how the, the tech and just the world has changed. Yeah, if I were you, I'd be delighted I entered in an era of the uh, Halo. I would, uh, I can't imagine yes. not having that. Um, Vegas. Vegas. You've done it in the sim, obviously. Mm-hmm. We have a betting pool on our show. And I would say for the first time, I actually said, I wouldn't rule out Piastri winning this race. And I'll tell you why. No one's driven there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be freezing cold. Everyone's, it's might, it might as well be raining, right? It's going to be a weird fucking race because it's so cold and no one has that leg up. Like a lot of these tracks you've gone to this year, they're the first time you've driven. Japan, right? That was your first time in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think like if anyone's more practiced at being out of their element in this current crop of people, it's you. Yeah, I I guess when you think about it like that, you're right. We need to get in the um, mindset of why. Like you need to visualize that first place. And look, this is like as fair as it's ever going to get for you. Yes, very good point. It, it's true. Um, I don't know how much difference it makes, though. Uh, you know, I'm unfortunately for me, racing against some very, very competitive guys mm-hmm. that are, are not simple to beat. So... Uh, you know, we've got three hours of practice. It's a new circuit for everyone. So I'm sure I'm definitely going to have an element of getting used to it too. But um, yeah, like I said, a lot of uh, different challenges this weekend. It's going to be cold, like you said, brand new track. The straights are super long. Yeah. Um, so what downforce level everyone runs is going to be interesting to see. Um, I don't know if it'll be our strongest track of the year, being disappointing. Right. To, to people's hopes. But, um, I mean, we've said that for the last three weekends and we've been pretty good. So And you guys heat up your decent. tires quickly, right? This is one of the strengths of the car. Yeah. Yes, that, that is definitely going to be useful for us, I think. But, um, yeah, like, you know, when we changed all the things in our car and made it quicker, um, you know, the, the downforce level that we're expecting to run, um, you know, 
it you only use it at a couple of tracks a year, so it's quite low on the priority list. And um, it's something we've tried to improve on this year, but you know, there's only a certain amount of money we can spend, a certain amount of hours we have. So uh, we'll see what we're like. I'm sure we'll still be towards the front somewhere, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if the first win's going to be this weekend, but we'll try. It's Vegas. Anything could happen. People, hey, they happen. get lucky in Vegas. They get unlucky, but they exactly. get lucky. Do you prefer a, a street circuit or uh, a regular track? I personally prefer a, a permanent circuit. You do? Um, I, I think for me, like, you know, going to places like Spa or Silverstone, Japan, like these, tra- these tracks with quick corners, a lot of history yeah. through like, you know, in Spa's case or Japan, like through forests and sort of jungle, it's, uh, they're really special. But at the same time, street circuits are cool as well. You know, like Monaco doing a qualifying lap around there is probably the most exciting minute and a half of your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> So that's very cool. And also just like the added jeopardy of a street circuit, you know, you get it slightly wrong, you're in a wall, you're out of the race. So. It's got its own set of challenges. Well, it, would you agree that in this 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 crazy concoction that makes an F1 driver, there's like there's some technical ability. Some people might have more technical, but then there's balls. People have more appetite for risk. Seems mm-hmm. like street circuits, if you've got a lot of appetite for risk, that's your time to shine. Yes, I I would agree, but it's it's different it's a different set of balls, I okay. would say. Because like Silverstone, for example, a lot of high speed corners which if it goes wrong, it's going to go very wrong at, that, at those speeds. So yeah. you need you need balls for that. Yeah. But in a street circuit, you know, especially around here, for example, you know, we're going to be extremely quick at the end of the straight, um, you know, potentially above like 210, 215 miles an hour. Yeah. And to have the confidence and the balls to hit the, breakings, the breaking point exactly where you want to break late enough and not lose time, um, that's a, a different challenge. What gear is turn one? What are you going down to from 210? Uh, I think it'll probably be like third third gear. It's a, a pretty slow corner, not not the slowest corner we've got for the year, but it's it's pretty slow. So it's uh, but yeah, de- once we come down the strip, that's probably one of the slowest corners on the track. Yeah. Um, from the biggest straight, it's like a, a mile long. I think <laughs> that straight. So it's bonkers. Uh, into a second or third gear corner. So that's going to be, yeah, you know, a lot of time can be won or lost in those kind of places. So you need a, def- a different set of balls for that. Okay, I'm going to send you over two pieces of unsolicited advice. One, look up on that straightaway a couple times, you know? Mm-hmm. You're going to be the first fucking person to drive down Las Vegas Boulevard at 200 miles an hour. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Take it in. Uh, I will. Second, and this is why I'm confident in you, you watch Last Dance. And I think you could sum up his entire life, Michael Jordan, by the fact that he hits the game winner when he's in college. You do that once in your life and you go, yep, I can do it. Mm-hmm. And I want you to ride that sprint victory. You're a winner. <laughs> You're someone who <laughs> wins. You've won championships. You won that sprint. It's impossible for anyone to win anything this year. And you did that. So you're Jordan. You hit that shot. And I want you to drive like you're going to win a bazillion because you're so talented and it's incredibly fun watching your rookie year. It's been a blast. So we all thank you for it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, I will take that unsolicited advice on board. It was very good. So uh, thank you for that. Yeah. I'll I'll keep it in mind. Send my love to Jill. (laughs) I will. I will. All right. Be good, Oscar. Thanks for taking the time.